0: Alvin uh, Okay So uh, we, we, One of the we're good. This, week, this week's perasha, We have uh, four dreams And it's the most dreams In the, the book of Bereshit We have next week two more dreams Altogether we have ten, ten dreams That are told in Bereshit And the, the majority is this week And then goes right into Miketz next week We have Yosef has two dreams and he tells his brothers, and when he tells his brothers, they hate him even more, because he's told them the dream. And the rabbis say there's a bad ramifications for him having told his brothers, who don't really like him, his dream. And that's what delays his dream for 22 years. Then we have Yosef telling, interpreting the dream at the end of the parasha for the butler and for the baker. And according to how he interprets the dream, is how the dreams happen. The question then is, had he interpreted them differently, would they have have happened differently? Are there rules to interpreting dreams? What's this whole idea behind dreams? How do we understand dreams? What does the the Zohar tell us about dreams? What does the, the Arizal tell us about dreams? So there's a pasuk in Devarim, and it says, a very strange pasuk, it says, If there will rise up among you, Navi, a prophet, or cholem Chalum. someone who dreams dreams, a dreamer. and he will give you a sign, or mofet, or I guess a different word for a sign. A wonder. Wonder. haot asher and it comes true what he said would happen. And he says, therefore. I'm proving to you that you should listen to me and go after Elohim acherim Hashem lo yedatem, That you should serve other gods. What does the pasuk say? Lo el divreha navihahu. Don't listen to the words of this navi. It doesn't even call him a false navi. Or el cholem hachalom. Or to the one who dreamed a dream. Because ki menaseh Hashem elokechem. Because God is testing you To know if you love him with all of your heart and all of your soul. So what's going on? Seems that there's a regular guy and he has a dream. And from his dream, he tells them something. And this is what he believes from his dream. And not only does he tell them, but it comes true. And what does it say? We're going to end up killing this guy. What did he do so terrible? He told them to go after Avodah Zarah. So Rosh is interesting. He says the only reason Hashem allows such people to possess what sounds like supernatural knowledge is to test our faith, to see if we're going to listen to the prohibition against using such sources of information and of tolerating such people. By choosing not to resort to the knowledge of such people in the future, we accumulate merits in Hashem's book. Refusing to believe is in itself a good deed. And believing them is the equivalent of believing in idolatry. The Ora Chaim goes further. And he says, the word Navi implies that even if this person has an established reputation as a kosher prophet, as a Navi Hashem. If he asks you to violate any of Hashem's commandments, even temporarily, and it involves idolatry, then he's guilty of death. We know, for example, that Eliyahu Hanavi violated and told the people to violate when he went to uh, Har Carmel. But that was a specific case for a specific time, and it did not involve Avodah Zarah. So we have here this concept of someone who's being chal He's dreaming a dream. He tells his dream. His dream comes true, and we kill him. Why? What did the guy do? Where did the dream come from? How do we understand this idea of dreams?
1: Did Eliyahu <clears> and the at Carmel violated something?
0: Yeah, he built an altar. You weren't allowed to build an altar away from the mikdash. He built an altar away from the mikdash. So there was a sefer that was written in the 12th century. And it was written by a rabbi. His name was Yaakov Mar- Marvis in France. And he says that it's a conversation that he had between him and a malach. And basically, what it was is, it's called, She'elot u min ha-shamayim, Questions and answers from heaven. And what did he do? He would go to sleep at night. And he would ask questions in his dreams. So basically he would go to sleep at night, go up in his imagination to a uh, midrash in Shamaim, and he would sit and learn. And whatever questions he had, he would bring back the answers to those questions. And he writes a whole book on all of the answers. So he says, interesting enough, is one of the questions he asked, is which tefillin are correct? Rashi? Or Rabbeinu Tam? Which ones are we supposed to wear? And the, the answer was given to him. Certainly Rabbeinu Tam. But Hashem said, Nitzchul My children are victorious over me. They decided down there that the custom is to wear the tefillin of Rashi. So, do what they like to do. It was interesting, uh, the questions <laughs> that he asks. You go through the questions and you see... There's Rabbi Reuven Margolot. he actually writes a book on this sefer and he explains this whole concept of dreams. What's interesting is my rabbi, 20 years ago, told me specifically that every night, whatever question I have from what I was learning, I should write the question down on a piece of paper, put the question under my pillow, go to sleep without contemplating the question, just let it lay, and he said, if I'm zokheh in the night, I'll get an answer when I wake up in the morning. And many times I did this, and many times I was zokheh. And there was a while that I would dream, because you, sometimes if you dream the same thing again and again, you, I think your imagination must create the scene, that I would actually go and sit with him in a, in a, in a class in heaven, and he would explain the answer to me, probably from my memories or whatever. You know? Yeah. And when I told the story, so I, this, this had happened for years, and I told his sons the story... And that was the end of it. (laughs) Didn't I? I didn't sit with him anymore. But I still ask the questions, and if I'm zocher, I get the answer. I get the answer. Dari says that when we have a difficult decision to make, and Rav Chaim Vital writes about it, we ask something called a she'elat shalom, a question in a dream. And the question is simple. It says, "Why in a dream?" why not ask Hashem for a sign when I'm awake, you know if this is what I should do, the next card should be a <laughs> so, and he's saying no you want to understand what to do you want to understand you should ask She'elat Shalom and the question then is, huh, can I really rely on an answer that I'm going to get in a dream, we know that dreams have nonsense as part of the dream no matter what so how can I rely on the dream? I, I wrote today that the word dream is, is, is uses the word halom. It's halom is dream in Hebrew. The first letter is chet. So the chet is number eight. Numerical value, eight. So eight is always above nature. So a dream has an aspect of being above nature. But the word chet, what does it mean? It means misses the target. Because every dream misses the target somewhat. We even see in Yosef, when he has his dream, and he explains that the sun and the moon bow to him, seems impossible for the moon to bow to him, being his mother. The next letter is Lamid. Lamid is the tallest letter, but it means to learn. So it means that we should take from the dream, which is above nature, even if there's something, we should learn. And what is the Mem? The Mem is always action or change. We know the Mem is 40. And 40 always signifies change because we have 40 days Moshe is, is, uh, is receiving the Torah, we have 40 years in the Midbar, we have 40 days of Meraglim, we have 40 days of Mabul, we have 40 Seah in Mikveh. Everything to do with Mem and 40 has to do with change. So the possibility then is that the word Halom itself is telling us that we should be able to take something from the dream Learn from it And make a change So it seems a little heavy And this is really the, the Arizal is saying No, you should ask <clears throat> We have the concept of a dream Again, like we said There's a number of times in Bereshit It's actually 10 times We have Yaakov dreams of the latter I asked the question to Rav Mansur Because in the dream He seems to talk and be upset that he went to sleep. And then he wakes up later. So was his conversation in the dream itself? And Rabban Sur thought yes. the converse, Everything happened in the dream. And he doesn't wake up until the whole conversation is over. Everything is within the dream. It says Yaakov dreams. Yosef dreams. It says Yaakov shamar et hadavar. Yaakov is waiting for it to happen. Waiting for it to come true. The Gemara tells us that Daniel, Daniel, he was killed by who? Haman. He was killed by Haman. It says that the last mention of of Daniel in the book of Daniel is the third year of Cyrus. And the rabbis tell us that he was still alive during the reign of the Persian king, Achashverosh, when he was killed by Haman, the minister of Achashverosh. It says, why was...
1: Did Daniel come? Uh, was Much he plenty. part of the Great uh, Great Assembly?
0: Yeah. But that's the. When was he killed? He was killed, but the Great Assembly is during that time.
1: He didn't come to Israel. He no. didn't come back.
0: No, he's buried in uh, in Persia somewhere. Oh. They have a famous tomb. I don't know if it's really him. It says, why was he killed? What did he, he do wrong? His- Ah, because he's, no, he's uh, maybe Khatah, or maybe he's Mechuman Is some of the opinions. He says, no, but why was he killed? What did he do wrong? It says that he was killed because when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, Daniel gave him a solution to the dream. And he shouldn't have given him the solution to the dream, because giving him the solution may have gone beyond his... Uh, his power. He should have let it be. What was the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had? So Nebuchadnezzar's dream, uh, the, the dream, so was after the, dream? The, 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 the later dream is 12 years later, Nebuchadnezzar has a disturbing dream. Instead of summoning the wise men of the empire, the king immediately sent for Daniel and requested his interpretation. The implications of the dream were alarming, but Daniel shared them with the king. He informed the king that he would be stuck with insanity for seven years and would be reduced to the level of an animal. His kingdom, though, would remain intact and he would return to his reign upon recognizing the ultimate authority of Hashem. But Daniel advised Nebuchadnezzar that if he wanted to prevent the dream from coming true, what he should do is distribute tzedakah, charity, to the poor in abundance. And in the merit of these righteous deeds, he might be spared from his fate. (coughs) The king, all of this is in the book of Daniel. The king accepted the suggestion. He proceeded to open his treasury to distribute funds to the poor Jewish exiles who would ordinarily beg. This act of benevolence delayed the fate that awaited him for 12 months. But once the year passed, Nebuchadnezzar proudly assumed that it was over. And he didn't have to worry about this dream coming true anymore. And he stopped giving money. And then the divine decree was implemented and he began to conduct himself as if he was an animal. Ultimately, at the end of seven years, he returns to his senses. He reclaims his throne and it goes through. He was angry with his son and uh, all stories about this. But Daniel should not have given him the advice, apparently. And that's why some of the rabbis say that he was punished. When a dream, we could see something will happen, but it may not always be the solution. If a dream ends bad, if a dream ends badly, the rabbis tell us that we don't have to worry because it's not necessary that that's going to happen and we could fix it. The if you look at pages like 55, 56, 57, it's almost like a book of dream interpretation those three pages of the gemara pretty much give you everything the gemara there it's also contradictory in what each thing means some suggest this some suggest that the rabbis tell us if that a person doesn't dream in 7 days he should be very careful because it means hashem doesn't want to have anything to do with him <laughs> But that's not non dream induced because a person's taking drugs, so <laughs> whatever they're taking. I know, I think people who take Ambien or something, maybe they don't dream, I heard. Uh, they have weird dreams. Ambien's weird dreams? All dreams are weird, no, of course. No, I think oh, Ambien, I mean, Ambien, I mean, Ambien I mean, they don't dream. It's not
1: only Ambien, all <coughs> these uh, drugs. Uh-huh. What? remember your dream or between, between, uh, you know you
0: dream there's the a difference I don't know really if you don't remember re- it, you, know you don't, <coughs> don't remember the dream uh, I know I wake I don't up 20 that times a night right?
1: what's that I don't think that's contradictory. I think you certainly dream and now remember it and realize still that you dream
0: right,
1: right. That, right? most people You're have dream
0: dream dreams dream, but not. don't remember
1: them yeah no, but and I the, think the trick if you right?
0: want to remember start writing them down yeah yeah you wake up in the middle of the night you jot it down and you start to then you connect to that level and after just a couple weeks of it's
1: already remembering seven days if you
0: didn't have an inkling of what you drank? I don't know. I, saw, I told you I, 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 I'm taking this thing uh, a terbinoffin something like that for, for a couple of months That's for, our fungus. for fungus, right? And what must affect my stomach definitely affects my stomach because it's killing everything in my stomach No, but I mean it's probably killing all of the stuff in my gut. And I have for the last couple of months the strangest dreams, one after the other, after the other, after the other. But the Gemara talks about that. It says you're affected, your dream's affected by what you eat. So if you're, it's affected by your gut, so you get these crazy it's dreams.
1: They were somewhere else. What? Somewhere what? Else. Uh, uh, <coughs> the, the in or somewhere else. The Gemara is in, the, in the, it, was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So the question is I'll
1: tell you one thing. There was no, bro. took it off the market for uh-huh. yeah. for pain that that pill could uh, I had three teeth that like wisdom teeth extracted when I was in college and um, I was in so much pain until I took the, the pill mm-hmm. and um, I could actually program myself to dream whatever I wanted no matter huh? how crazy and it was it was no different than me looking at you. Totally real, real. 100%. I'm
0: telling you The dreams that I've been having Are real real Where I could smell I could feel eat It was in eat. color It was strange in color and then, yeah.
1: then I decided <coughs> Let's try this again You know there was No pain Nothing like that I was curious If I could do this uh-huh. And not only Did I dream <coughs> I couldn't sleep So it <laughs> didn't, didn't work On anything <laughs>
0: So some of the rabbis say well, If you have a bad dream What do you do so you, some rabbis say ignore it, but the, the main opinion of the rabbis is that you fast, even if it's Shabbat. You wake up from a dream and it's Shabbat, and you had a bad dream and it bothered you. You have to fast, and then you have to fast another day that week to make up for the fast that you did on Shabbat. Are you saying
1: if you have the one bad dream, or if you have
0: this, if you have a bad have no, three, three no, if it's a bad a dream that bothers you so much. That frightens you than a person, most opinions seem to say, but I'm going to go through the opinions, that a person has to fast. Others say all dreams, you don't have to worry, they always go according to the explanation. Yep. <clears throat> we see the story of Rabbah and Abaye. The Gemara tells a story about a certain dream, uh, dream uh, interpreter. His name was Bar Hadaya. He interprets the dreams of Rava and Abaya. What was very strange is they both had the same dream each night, and they would come to him to interpret the dream, and they dreamed the exact same thing. And one he would tell, A, a good thing, and one he would tell a bad thing. And it says, how could it be if you dream the same thing, how could it be too? Two says that finally Ravan the end realizes that the dream goes according to the interpretation and he was paying him and he wasn't paying him <laughs> so they ask the question how could he not know that dreams go according to the interpretation we saw it already from Yosef so the answer based on uh, is, uh, he says he says Rav knew that the interpretations affect the dream but he thought that since the interpretation must be based on the dream It would be impossible to interpret one dream in two opposite ways and have both come true. If the dream itself has to have an effect, then how could two? Then when he saw the manual of Bar-Hadiah, that all dreams follow the interpretation, he realized that it was indeed possible to interpret one dream in two opposite ways. And this guy caused him all the anguish that he had because he kept interpreting... His dreams terribly, this one died, this thing happened, this thing happened, and he was so angry that uh, the dream interpreter <laughs> disappeared. So it says so the, the Gemara basically saying that that a dream is interpreted according to I mean it's it, it comes true according to the interpretation. Unless you dream of snakes. <laughs> and snakes that bite you. That's a good thing. <laughs> I know. So how can this be <laughs> it's money. It's money. It's money? Money. It's
1: money. It's money. Is that the wrong?
0: How can this be if Hashem is sending a message? If Hashem is sending me a message, how could it be that the interpreter is going to determine the message and not Hashem is telling me what the dream is going to be? And the Gemara is basically telling us, be very careful who we tell a dream to. It says, but you have to make sure that you know, Rav Christa says in the Gemara, that a dream which is not interpreted is like a letter you never opened. So, a dream is Hashem, in essence, sending us some message. It says that any dream, he says that any dream, he he brings itself that any dream that a person should fast, even on Shabbat. Rashi explains there is a reality in every dream, save one that comes in a fast. Therefore, there's no reality. It says the implication. About, so Rashi goes really on about uh, about fasting, not fasting. <coughs> The, the, the problem we see with Yosef is Yosef tells his brothers about his dream. They hate him. So what's his purpose in telling his, his brothers? But we see Yaakov shamar at hadavar. Yaakov was waiting for it to come true because he saw something in Yosef about the dream that it would be.
1: So, so the father was interpreting in a positive way, but the brothers were interpreting them in, the, in a negative way. Yeah.
0: And that's what possibly delayed it for 22 years. If you tell the wrong person... And a dream is meant to uh, something that should happen right away. That person's thinking could even delay what happens in the dream. So one of the things that we're supposed to say we don't want to fast because today people are weak; they don't fast. We have something called Hatavat Chalom. Hatavat Chalom is basically it's similar to annulling nulling the dream. But you come before the Khatam Sofer writes about it. A number of rabbis write about it. You come through to three people, and you tell them the dream, and they tell you it's a good dream, it's a good dream, it's a good dream. There's basically a text with uh, Rav Yaakov Emdin has in his Sidur, a text of what they go through in interpreting the dream. (coughs) But we see that the Torah tells us there's lots of times that we have messages through the dreams. I went through the Bereshit, and I just made a list of the dreams. You have Avimelech with Sarah. You have Yaakov with the ladder. You have Yaakov with the speckled sheep. That happens in a dream. The advice to, to put the, uh, the rods is a dream. Lavan has a dream. He's told to leave Yaakov alone. Bless you. Yosef and the, the sheaves. Yosef and the stars. The, the butler with the, uh, the grapes. The baker with the bread basket on his head. Paro with the cows and <laughs> Paro with the uh, the sheaves. So, those are the ten dreams. Every one of those dreams has a message. So, the, the, in essence, the rabbis are saying you have to know that a dream has a message, even to someone like Avimelech and even to someone like Lavan. There's one other
1: way to, um, <coughs> I would scored to nullify the dream. You know, the, when you do you, the position of the Shabbat, right? There's uh, uh, the part, with they call him Right,
0: so the the interesting thing is that's why. So we do berakah hanim every day. So if, I guess someone, if they're going to do it, they have to. do it. But that's why the, the Ashkenazim, when they do berakah hanim, they do ah ya 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 in, some, ay, ay, ay. in, in some order place, to give you time. In, in order to give time for someone to read that tefilah. So how can the Gemara sometimes tell us just to ignore a dream? Which sometimes it says a dream is nonsense, you should ignore a dream.
1: And hey, Rabbi? Yeah? the the dreams, and then there are dreams. There's, uh, we dream all the time, and most of the dreams are nonsense. And then when we get a significant dream, we know it's a significant dream. Right. And and, and I assume. Bless you. <coughs> There's a difference between dreaming you so saw God and seeing God in a dream. Uh, I assume that we're, we're discussing here significant
0: dreams, not. But it has to be a dream that bothers you or sits right. on you. Otherwise, because it's, it's, gonna, it's, it's, dream, it's yeah. not. Right. So something that the rabbis, so I, I pulled this, that's something that the rabbis bring. That a bad dream can result from an extra slice of pizza or eating leftover chicken. So one of the things the rabbis write, and I'll bring it in the end, that if a person ate or well, they had bad odors or something like that, that will affect their dreams and they should ignore those dreams. It says, many dreams are influenced by what a person thinks during the day. And that's one of the things the rabbis say, what well, we're thinking about during the day will come back to us in the night. Even true dreams always have a false element. Even if it's a prophecy dream, it doesn't have to be. Despite this, again, the main opinion of the rabbis is if a person has a bad dream that bothers him, he should do a ta'anit. <clears throat> the most prevalent practice today is hatavat shalom, halom. The, ra- the Gemarat says that, r- that Rabbi Pedat said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, <coughs> one who saw a dream and is depressed about it should make it better in front of three people, provided they love him. That is that one should tell a close friend that he is distraught by a bad dream and they ask him together with two friends and they all have to state you have seen a good dream three times and they go through this whole detail. So you have, a- and then you have a lot of stories the rabbis bring about dreams. So, continue. The, the richest sources of descriptions can be found in, uh, like I said, in, this, in the Gemara 55 to 57. And it goes through, through details. A certain woman came to Rabbi Eliezer and said to him, it's very interesting, the Gemara brings us. It's really a wiggy story when you see it. She says to Rabbi Eliezer, I saw in a dream that the greenery of my house came open in a crack. I guess they had a place where they stored grain and she said there was a crack in it. You will conceive a son, he said. Crack means you're going to give birth to a child. She dreamed again and she went to Rabbi Eliezer who gave her the same interpretation. And that's what happened. She had a son. She dreamed the same dream a third time and she went looking for Rabbi Eliezer and said, Rabbi, I had the same dream. She didn't find him. So she saw his students were sitting and learning in the Ben Midrash. So she told them the dream. I had a dream, and there was a granary, and the granary cracked. And they said to her, (coughs) you're going to bury your husband. And that's what happened. Rabbi Eliezer heard her crying after the husband died, and realized what happened, and he turned to his students, and he said to his students, wretched fools, you killed this man. Is it not written as Yosef interpreted, so it happened? And he was very angry. He says that every dream only becomes valid by its interpretation. The Gemara also says there were 24 dream interpreters in Yerushalayim. And I dreamt a dream and I went to each one of them and all 24 interpretations came true. <coughs> the Khatam Sofer he had a guy in his kahal in his congregation. I have... Bukharians, sorry, who dream every night, and every night they're wigged out by the dream, and every night they come to you with the dream and ask you, what does it mean? And you have to do a hatavach. says that what happens, here's this guy every single day that comes to him to do this hatavach, this ceremony in front of three people and say, I dreamed a dream. says one day. He comes to the Chatham Sofer. He comes every single day. One day he comes to him. And Khatam Sofer says, Wait, wait. Before you tell me what you dreamed, let me tell you what you dreamed. He says, Because I had the same dream as you. And the Malach of dreams told him, told me about you. Do we know the name of the Malach? I don't. He didn't write. He says, And he told you the Malach of dreams came to you in your dream and said, Don't worry about the dreams anymore. And don't bother the Rabbi because all your dreams are nonsense. And still you came to me and told me the dream even after that happened. So the question is, is it fake? Is it real? What's the story? So the Arizal is, what's the purpose of dreams? Why did Hashem give them? We all dream, even if we don't remember, we dream. So the Gemara, dream is one-sixtieth of Nebuah, one-sixtieth of Prophecy. We have to remember all dreams have a bit of nonsense. So what does it mean that a dream is one-sixtieth of Nibuah? Now all of us need to sleep. We need to sleep. If someone says, if someone vows, I'm not going to sleep for three days, you know what you do? You give them lashes immediately. You don't wait for the three days up because it's impossible not to sleep for three days. So, some people sleep eight hours, some people sleep four hours, some people, most people sleep somewhere in between. Says, what a shame that we spend so much of our time sleeping. Guy comes, it's my ninetieth birthday. You only live sixty years. What do you mean? I only live sixty years? Thirty years of it, you were sleeping. Says, why didn't Hashem make us like the ever-ready bunny? You know, why do we need to stop every day to sleep? The Gemara also tells us that sleep is one sixtieth of death. What's death? Sleep times sixty. Maybe it's best not to sleep. We don't want to have. Death or experience death, but it's not possible. So every night we have a bit of death when we go to sleep.
1: Wait, wait, wait! You we went from
0: one um, sixtieth of one sixtieth of, of, of prophecy is a dream. One sixtieth of death is sleep. We say every morning, Elokei Shama is a mini techiyat hametim, a mini rebirth of the of the dead. And we see really in the Nebuah of Avraham, he went to sleep. We see in the Nebuah of Yitzchak, we see in the Nebuah of Yaakov, we see in the Nebuah of David, even Yechezkel, etc. Only with Moshe Rabbeinu do we see Nebuah without sleep. The others all have Nebuah, which is somewhat a level of sleep. So it seems to achieve Nebuah, aside from Moshe Rabbeinu, it's almost like death. There's some level of death that we have to experience in order to achieve this Ram Ramchaim Vital writes that when the Navi goes through his Neboah, he falls as if he's dead and he speaks. They said that the Navi would go into a, uh, a trance and someone would have to write down the words he said and he would later come out of it and interpret the words that he was saying while he was in this trance, disconnected from the world. The Rambam explains that even the Avot were half dead when they had the Nebuah. He says, says, the Arizal says, the body cannot handle the glory of Hashem. The body often is too physical to handle this big rush of spiritual. So in order for us to be able to handle the rush of spiritual... The power is taken from the body, and therefore we could have the nivua. The body is weakened, and that's why we go into the sleep trance. Well,
1: uh, the near death experiences that people have—they they, see they, things. They, they come up with, uh, with vivid stories. So we
0: see what does Hashem tell Moshe? Lo yareni adam v'chay. Man cannot see me and remain alive. So for nivua. It's a bit like death, some level of paralysis that we go through. I saw a crazy story, and, and, I, 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 and it's something that we learned, and I, I never focused on it. We have the Navi, Yeshayahu. He's one of the greatest of the Nevi'im. And uh, the question is, and we know that Yeshayahu is the one he comes to, uh, he comes to Chizkiyahu, the king, and he tells Chizkiyahu he's going to die. Why is he going to die? Because he didn't have children. Chizkiyahu says, I didn't have children because I saw a nivuah. That my son, my children are going to be Rishai. My son is going to be Menashe. And he says, not yours to question. Yours is that <coughs> to do and die. Do whatever you have to do. So Chizkiyahu, <coughs> the, the, the Midrash tells us, he took the daughter of Ishayahu as a wife. I don't know if it's 100%. But the Midrash tells us, he took the daughter of Ishayahu, the daughter of the Navi. And this Chizkiyahu is the great king. And they have children. And what does he do? Every night for the next, every day for the next 15 years, he puts his kid on his shoulders and he takes him to school and he studies with him and he learns with him. And he raises his kids as best as he can. But in the end, what happens? His son is Menasheh. And says, who killed Yishayahu the prophet? His grandson, Menasheh. How did he kill him? How did he kill him? The Gemara Yevamot tells us that Menashe killed Yishayahu. Ravah said he brought Yishayahu to trial. Menashe, the wicked king, brings his grandfather the Navi to trial. What is he trying him for? He says that Moshe wrote in the Torah, "Lo yareni Adam v'chay." Man cannot see me. And live. But you, Grandpa, you wrote, I saw Hashem sitting on a throne, high, and lifted up. This is the vision of the the chariot. Moshe says, For which is a great nation that has a Hashem who is close to it? And you said, seek Hashem when he could be found. So he went through all of these things, saying that his grandfather (coughs) said things against Moshe Rabbeinu. Yishayah said to himself, I know that whatever I answer him, he's not going to accept. And if I do answer him, then I'm going to cause him to be an intentional murderer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to close my mouth and say nothing. He so says, what did he do? He caused himself to disappear into a cedar tree. He walked into a tree and hid within the tree. says, so they went to find him. And what happened? sitzit was sticking out of one corner of the tree. So what did they do? He took an axe and he hacked and hacked away at the tree until he killed Yishayahu inside. And the question is, why allow Yishayahu to die like that? What did he do wrong? And it seems the answer is because he said, I saw Hashem. And a person is not supposed to see Hashem. It says that A person, a Navi, enters a room. He falls on the floor. He has his Nebuah. Typically, he has a vision. He needs to interpret it. Rav Chaim Vital, he comments and he says that we have to understand that this whole idea of sleep and dreams is a gift from Hashem. He says that sleep allows us to reduce the power of the physical body and increase the power of the Neshama. It's a time for our neshama to reign. So, someone with no dream, Rav Chaim Vital is saying, is not separating from his body during sleep, which he should be doing. He says, sleep is separate from physicality. We have to go to sleep. He says, and a person should know that he's upset before he goes to sleep, and he dreams. He should ignore the dreams. Because if you go to sleep depressed, if you go to sleep unhappy, then your dreams are nonsense and they're based on those thoughts. So I saw here, when discussing sleep, there's two sides to the coin, the body and the soul. For the body's perspective, the Gemara writes that sleep is one-sixtieth of death and for good reason. Our eyes are closed, conscious powers have become weak. We lose control of many of our facilities, yet for the soul, for the neshama, it's a time of rejuvenation. It's united with its source above and spiritually refreshed and recharged. The siluka kochot, the departure of the faculties, only affects the conscious dimensions of our psyche. But in the absence of the conscious, the subconscious emerges. Thus, according to Kabbalah, the soul's essential powers are in fact strengthened and more apparent while one is asleep. So the sleep is a, is a time when we can better connect to our soul. Rabbeinu Bahya, he writes in the 13th century, 12th century. And the Ariza writes also very similar. That really your dreams depend on what you eat. So we have to remember that. So if you ate uh, late, then the dream is coming from your food more than anything else. The dream would be... If you were fasting and you were happy, then the dream would be more more likely to be true. But let's
1: say if you were fasting and <coughs> you didn't like the dream, do you ignore it? What? If you were fasting and you didn't like the dream, do you ignore
0: it? I think if the dream bothered me... Uh, if the dream bothered me, I, I would probably do a hatavat chalom. So it
1: wouldn't matter that the fact that you are fasting doesn't...
0: No, it says only if you if you ate and the dream bothered you, you could ignore it. If you were depressed... Say you fasted and you weren't happy because you were grumbly and hungry. Then maybe you're not happy and you could ignore the dream. Now, the, the problem is that Aizab brings something that's a little wiggy. He says the third possibility is that a shed can visit you at night. A shed is a demon. And this shed can play a video for you, which is total nonsense just to drive you up a wall even if you went to sleep happy and even if you didn't eat pickles and ice cream at 2 a.m. He says the shed could cause you to wake up miserable all because the shed in some way is playing some practical joke. So the problem is, wow, who's giving the shed the ability to do this? But it seems that the Arizal is commenting this based on the first pasuk that we started with that we said if there's a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he comes to you and he tells you something and it comes true and he tells you to worship Avodah Zarah because that's what he dreamed you have to kill him the question is why kill him? God sent him the dream if God sent him the dream what did he do wrong? why should he get killed? he's just saying what he dreamt he's not making it up even the rabbis say he could be a real prophet so why kill him? So the Rishonim bring based on this, that bad thoughts in the day cause bad dreams. This guy had bad thoughts, maybe had thoughts on Abu Zarah, and therefore his bad thoughts, his negativity during, bless you, his negativity during the day creates bad Malachim, because our negative thoughts can, or, or sins that we do can create a bad malach. And this bad malach or this shed, which he created, comes back to haunt him in the night and plays these fake videos. What thoughts can create? Negative thoughts can create can create, can create a malach, can... can create the positive and, and that that's why that's why the the idea of the rabbi saying that before I go to sleep at night. I'm gonna study. I'm gonna list my questions, and I'm gonna take my question, put it under my pillow. What did that do? That my whole concept of going to sleep at night. If I first went to sleep, before I went to sleep at night, and I do, I do a, a, an accounting of my day. And was I this, and was I that, and did I this, and did I that? And then I learned something. And then I have a question, I write my question, put it under the pillow. Those good thoughts create the potential for me to connect on a much higher level, and for my dream to assist me out of whatever I need to be assisted. The Gemara says that even the negativity in a dream could be fixed if we do charity, if we do this Hatavat Chalom, if we do the Tefillah and Birkat Qu'anim. So there's a number of answers that the the Rabbis give us all of, of how we could fix it. The... The, the question I saw was was on, on Shabbat, on fasting. And I had a whole teshuvah how the different rabbis, their opinion is. But it seems that the basic opinion is that a person should fast if they have a bad dream, even in Shabbat. <coughs> Rabbi Chai Gaon, he's in uh, around a thousand years ago. He writes a book on dreams. He writes interpretations of different dreams that we have, what each thing in our dreams mean... And uh, I think that the Sidur of Rabbi Yaakov Emden is based on segments from Rabbi Chaik Gaon, And he writes, uh, he writes uh, in Rabbi, Rabbi Emden's Sidur is called Yeshuat Yisrael. And he writes some interpretations. If you see an animal, if you see a tree, if you see flying, growing, all of these things, he says, if you have to go to the dentist, that's the worst. He says, all of the, but if you have a toothache and you went to sleep and you dream, it doesn't mean But he goes through each of the things and what could they mean, what do they mean. It's also highlighted. It says, based on the above... um, so, So dreams appear to be a mixture of different elements. Most of our dreams are entirely insignificant. A simple rehashing of hopes, worries, and fantasies which occupied our mind during the day. Some, however, are not significant on their own but can potentially be. Subject to interpretation. And uh, finally, some dreams may be the actual prophecy filtering through our consciousness, entering our dreams. Rav Moshe Chaim Luzato, he explains the significance of dreams in Derech Hashem. When we sleep, most of what happens to that, to our bodies, rest and our brains are given a chance to sort the thoughts out during the day. And he ex- also explains this whole idea of dreams and connecting of the, of the soul. So it's a time for our our higher soul to connect and our lower soul to somewhat disconnect. So it says, what's the bottom line? It says the bottom line is that a person should know when they go to sleep at night, they should uh, go to sleep happy. They should say the Shema with Kavanah. they should say the Vidui, they should forgive everyone, and they should prepare to connect themselves to their dreams. The word Chalom also is the same word as Lechem and Melach. It's also the same as machal, to forgive. chamal memory. But we know that lechem and melach, both we we always remember they both have a gematria of 78. What's 78? Three times Shem Hashem. That's why, what do we do? When we take bread on Friday night, on Shabbat, we dip the bread into the salt three times. You have to do it three times. And you have to have in mind each time is for one time of habayah. 26, 26, 26. That's 78. 3 times 26. Bread is 78. The melach is 78. One of the reasons we're dipping this, the bread into the salt is because it's, it represents the din of the bread <coughs> into the, the, uh, the chesed of the salt. Another reason is that we have to remember that, <coughs> that, that man does not live by bread alone. So the whole idea of eating the bread is we're remembering the three levels, Havaya, Havaya, all based on that. It says, but also we should remember that, that the word Halom also has 78. And that means within every dream, there's this aspect of Shem Havaya three times. There's also Lachem, Hill to fight, is also the same root as Lechem, is fighting. And that also is because life is a battle that we have to <coughs> battle We have to battle the Yetzirah, especially at night. So it says... 26,
1: 26 is also Melech. Melech, salt. But Melech, the king.
0: Melech, the king? So three times no, no, Melech, king is 20, mem, lamed ha, mem Lamed Chav. That's 90. Um... So ya- So we know that when Yaakov goes to sleep, before he goes to sleep, he prays, uh, he prays uh, Arbit, it says, he goes down, it says, and then he has. So the defilah is a desire to be close, so in sleep that we could be close. So again, the, the, the advice, he says, is don't, don't eat before we sleep to avoid a fog. Don't do bad things during the day. Don't have bad thoughts. And be very, very careful who you tell your dream to. It says that Abba... Received this is interesting. Says Hashem says that the Gemara tells us that Abba, the blood letter, there was a doctor. He was a blood letter, and he he would receive greetings every day from Hashem. Every night he would go to sleep, and he would have greetings from the yeshiva above. Every night Hashem would say, "Hello, Abba, how are you tonight?" Says that Rava would. He says that that Abaye, heard this and he was upset because he would only receive greetings from Hashem once a week on Friday night. He would go Friday night, every Friday night to the yeshiva above and he would hear, Hi, how you doing? Good to have you. He says, Ravah would only receive greetings on Erev Kippur. Says, What's going on here? So Abaye is curious. Why is this doctor getting greeted every night and I'm the great Abaye and I'm only getting greeted once a week? What did he do that I didn't do? So he asked the question in the yeshiva when he went up one Friday night. And they said, you're unable to do what he does. He says, what do you mean? That he's a doctor? Is that the profession we should be? No, it says, nothing to do with him being a doctor. He says, what happened? He says, what did he do? The Gemara explains that when he would perform a matter of bloodletting, he would do it in a certain way, all of these things, helping people. But then the Gemara tells this crazy, crazy story. What's the crazy story? The Gemara says that what happens, it says that Abba the bloodletter received two sages and they came to, to check him out. And what happened is he sat them down, he gave them food to eat, He gave them something to drink. And at night, he spread out these beautiful carpets that they should be able to sleep on these beautiful hand-woven carpets. In the morning, these two rabbis who were with him rolled up the carpets that they slept on and they took them. And they went out to the market with the carpets. And when Abba found them, they were selling the carpets. So... The sages said to him, Tell us how much they're worth. And Abba said, Their value is such and such. And the sages said, No, maybe they're worth more. And Abbas said, No, no, I know what they're worth because they were my carpets. <laughs> he says, The rugs are yours and we took them from you, the rabbi said. So after explaining that they took them for a reason, they said, Why didn't you suspect us? Why didn't you accuse us? Why didn't you call the police? He said, I knew you took the rugs and I didn't say anything to you because I figured that must be you had an unexpected opportunity to ransom prisoners and you were taking the rugs to sell them to go save people. That's what I figured, that you needed the money immediately and you were embarrassed to say so. So you did what you had to do. The sages said to him, now that we explain the situation, Take back the rugs. He said to them, From that moment when I realized they were missing, I put them out of my mind and consigned them to charity. As far as I am concerned, they're already designated for charity. I can't take them back. So the angel asked Abaye, What would you have done? Would you have done the same thing? He says, Because he did this, Hashem comes to him every night because he showed such kindness, such caring of other people. <coughs> So really, I think the rabbis conclude, they say there's no such thing as nothing when a person dreams. Instead, of, instead the, there's the idea of going to sleep and having intention when I go to sleep that I want to dream and I want to connect. I have intent. It says, it's interesting that Shlomo HaMelech, we know it says that Shlomo HaMelech surrounded himself every night with 60 giborim. Why did he need 60 people with swords around his bed every single night for it? Did he really think that a bunch of ninjas were going to come and attack him while he was sleeping? That he needed 60 guys around his bed? What's going on? He says, no. These 60 guys were scholars. And what did they do the whole night? They said over and over again, Birkat Kohanim, which is 60 letters for 60 of them in order to keep and protect him from the shedim who are coming to attack Shlomo melech in the night it says that at night we connect to another world the world has good things the world has not so good things to decide which person I connect to in that to which way I connect is to think about how I go to sleep at night it says that a person has also could remember even if they have a bad dream because there's certain things that are Their dreams, like God forbid a person should dream that they kissed the dead person in their dream. A dead person came to kiss them. It means that uh, we got we got a place for you (laughs) upstairs to come visit us. And you see I hear from people that I that I've seen a number of people who passed away within thirty days of passing away, the wiggiest dreams I heard, because they tell us that within thirty days of passing away, their cell, the part of their 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 uh, shadow but a better way to aura. translate the aura is already up in shamayim and they're already connecting to people so you hear them dreaming about I, I heard people dreaming about you know my husband was waiting for me or my this was there or that was there and then you, you get a little wiggy because you know it could be, it could be over so it says that really uh, following the advice of Rav Chaim says make sure you go to sleep happy make sure you go to sleep the right way Make sure you, have, you don't overeat before you go to sleep. Make sure you go to sleep with Torah. Ask questions before you go to sleep. You have to always ask. We say every day, Birkata HaTorah. Birkata HaTorah is for what? Because we say, Hashem, I need your help to learn and understand. We say, I need your help to understand, Hashem. I need your help to, 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 to grow. And it's really a possibility. It really seems such a possibility. That at night we have this incredible opportunity to have our soul connect on a higher level and allow us to grow. And we have to do those little tricks. So like like you said, you have to be able to, you go to sleep, you put a notepad by you. You have rabbis that write books and books simply on chidushim that they came up with while they were dreaming or while they were sleeping. Because you connect to some level. And if you start doing it, I know that in time it becomes... You wake up more often and you're able to write things down more often and you're able to remember things more often. It's a really a matter of training, training your, your subconscious in, in, in some way. So I think that's uh, the crux. We could go on. I have all these pages, but I think that's the idea. Any questions?
1: Um, so Yosef gave, gave an accurate interpretation to uh, the uh, uh Right. So he probably was aware that giving this negative interpretation could influence matters here. So uh, what's the rejoinder that makes it
0: okay in this situation? So I I think he saw something in the behavior of the baker that indicated one way or the other, and the way the baker asked him versus the way the other asked him. There's a lot of comments on, on that.
1: Besides from the dream... The wine steward was, was not punished because a fly can fly into the water; it happens. I mean, but the stone in the bread is inexcusable because he's supposed to detect it beforehand. So the one's crime, and it's the power of power's eyes were stronger than the others.
0: You're sifting flour. You're responsible to sift the flour and see if there's a stone in the flour. You a stone can't just fall into the flour, while a while a fly can just fly into the drink. That's you know that's the reason we learned this. Which probably relates to the whole thing, but it has to be definitely on a deeper level to to understand. Also, I think he was also depending yourself that the the what's it called the wine the wine steward would get him out. You see, he tells him, "Remember me, remember me."
1: Right. Could, you, could, have, could have doubled his odds by, by sending both out.
0: Right. I think no. I think that that if I think also, if one lived and one died, it makes it that much more powerful on the one you walk out of there and you're the guy who lived, whoa, it's that
1: guy who got me out of here.
0: I'll never forget him. But if they both lived, eh, he's just some guy.
1: Uh, so that's
0: so really, that that whole idea is the concept of memory. There's an idea, there's a place in Shammai that Arizal talks about, there's a place called memory. How do you say memory in Hebrew? Zecher, Zachar. Zachar, memory relates to the concept of being uh, Shomer HaBrit. Yosef ruled over this place called memory. When Yosef sort of broke his connection with above by saying, remember me, remember me, and depending on the person, he disconnected from this place called memory. The Midrash says that the wine steward every morning got up and he said, I'm going to tell... The, or every night he went to sleep, he said, tomorrow I'm going to tell the king about this guy Joseph. I promised I would tell him. Tomorrow I'm going to tell him. Not only that, he started to tie a string around his finger. He said, every morning he would forget because he was disconnected from this place called memory. This is Midrash. This is Midrash. He says he was disconnected from this place called memory until the passing of the two years, and then it was reconnected. And Yosef's, all of his powers are because he's connected to this hall in Shemaim called uh, called memory. This idea of halls in Shemaim also relates to the whole thing of, of prophecy, because the prophet would have to be able to rise hall through hall. There are angels as guarding at each level, each hall. You have to know the password to get by each angel. The password has to do with the name of the angel. So you're like, you like ask, what's the name of the angel? You have to know the name of each angel at each level in order to get by. So the Navi is really going level by level by level. And that's one of the reasons they had, they had schools of Nevi'im. And that's where Nevi'im, it, it, it didn't just become... They had to learn to rise level by level in all these, uh, these thoughts. Rabbi, a couple of years ago, <coughs> you were at the wedding and you saw, you saw people.